Hallelujah. Come on, let's clap for Jesus. Jesus is worthy to be praised today. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, I'm always so excited to come here. This is a very special place to Chrissy and I for two reasons. Reason number one is because um, President uh, Scott Hagen and um, President Hagen and his wife, we consider them dear friends. I wish we lived in the same city because I would just, we would just hang out with them so much. We just love being with them when we're with them. We're, our hearts are blessed and refreshed. And secondly, it's because this is a very special place. Um, uh, and I'm not just saying that, uh, oh, just don't flatter people, it doesn't help them. So I'm saying it because I believe this is a real special place. And it's special because of what just happened here. Um, and I actually want to talk about what just happened here very quickly. And maybe we could seek the Lord together. Um, what, what I want to share with you is, in a way is probably the most important lesson that I learned when I was in Bible school. I went to Bible school for one year. Um, don't follow that. Graduate. Amen. Um, but um, regardless of what field of ministry you feel called to, um, everyone here, uh, uh, whether it's engineering, pre-med, whatever it is, you are called to the ministry. And you're here because the call of God is upon your life. Some people will go into, you know, into ministry in the church sense or the mission field sense of going across the waters or traveling all the way to Chicago. That's a mission field. Amen. Um, but regardless of that, there are some very key, fundamental, important things for your life. And that's what I want to talk to you. Maybe one of the Probably the biggest, in a sense. And the older you get, the more important your life rhythms become. And I want to encourage you to try to make this part of your life rhythm starting like right here and right now. And so I'm going to jump right into it because we don't have a lot of time. I want you to turn with me to Ezra 3. We're going to put it up on the screen. When you go to the book of Ezra... Ezra was commissioned by God, but God used uh, uh, an unbelieving king to send him and the people of Israel, those who would go, to leave Babylon. They were in Babylon because for 70 years uh, uh, they had been in exile. They were in exile because Jeremiah prophesied to them that if they kept grieving God and dishonoring God, they would go into exile, and that's exactly what happens. But at the end, God, by something supernatural, miraculous, he speaks to the heart of an unbelieving king. How many believe that God is still able to speak to the heart of the unbeliever? How many would say amen? And he releases these captives, and he sends them back, and God raises up Ezra to go back and to rebuild the temple. Okay, so in chapter 1 and 2, they're kind of getting settled and secured. But in chapter 3, the work begins, and I want to just jump right into it. Six verses. By the seventh month, 
Uh, by the seventh month, the people of Israel were all settled in their towns. Then they all assembled in Jerusalem. And Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, together with his relatives, rebuilt the altar of the God of Israel so that they could burn sacrifices on it according to the instructions written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Even though the returning exiles were afraid of the people who were living in the land, they rebuilt the altar where it stood before. Then they began once again to burn on it the regular morning and evening sacrifices. A little bit more, correct? They celebrated the festival of shelters according to the regula regulations. Each day they offered sacrifices required for that day. And in addition, they offered the regular sacrifices uh, to be burned whole and to those to be offered at the new moon festival and at all the other regular assemblies at which the Lord is worshipped, as well as the offerings that were given to the Lord voluntarily. Here's the key verse. Here's the key verse. Although the people had not yet started to rebuild the temple, they began on the first day of the seventh month to burn sacrifices to the Lord. So what is, what do I want to talk to you about that I want you to carry with? Here's the key lesson. Before they built the temple, they built the altar. Imagine Imagine this building right here. Imagine saying, well, we've got we've to build a school, okay, or, or we've got to build a church. Or, and imagine before the walls go up and the sound system goes in and the speakers go in, Ezra, if he was here today, he would declare to you, before you build those walls, build the altar. It is possible to try to build something sacred, like a church, like a marriage, like a ministry. It's possible to try to build something sacred without building an altar, but it will never work. It will never work. Your marriage is sacred to God. Your family is sacred to God. Your assignment right now is sacred to God. If you're a pastor, your calling is sacred to God. But we can't build what is sacred without building an altar. Somebody say amen. We come to school and we think about what we're going to do, how God is going to use us, and Lord, use me this way, use me that way. And I want to encourage you. My, I love you. My wife and I, we love you. We are rooting for you. We celebrate the fact that you could be in so many places, but you chose to come here, a sacred place. This is a sacred place for sacred purposes, for sacred plans. How many believe that we are called to great and mighty sacred things? But you can't build what's sacred unless you build the altar. And I'm going to tell you right now, because you know when people say been there and done that? You can work a lot and pray a little and get very little done. What are you here? You're here to learn how to build altars. And I want to encourage you in front of your schooling, in front of your career, in front of everything that is precious in your heart. Get a hold of that thing. Build that life by building an altar first.
Okay, this was the secret of the patriarchs. This was the secret of Noah and Moses and Abraham and Jacob. Imperfect people, but they built altars all the time. This was the secret of a church that rose up in the Roman Empire, way more wicked than America. But how did they turn the, up, the world upside down? They built altars first. So I want to give you, real quickly, the most important phrase that I heard in Bible school. Okay, a guy came in, and he said this, and it's always stuck with me. I pray, this, I pray that you carry this burned in your heart. And here's what he said to us. He said, if we will build God a house of devotion... God will build us a house of ministry. Okay? No matter what you're called to, if you build God a house of devotion, God will build you a house of ministry. You'll be a doctor, but an anointed doctor. You'll be an electrician or an engineer, but an anointed engineer. So I want to talk to you in the next few moments, I don't have a lot of time, about there were... Why did I read all of those verses? I could have just read verse 6. It's because there were a lot of different sacrifices and offerings that were supposed to go up. It should be part of our day-to-day lifestyle. And what I want to do, instead of going into all of that, we don't have that kind of time. I want to kind of reduce all of those uh, offerings, sacrifices, to three fundamental areas of focus. And what you have to understand is there were different reasons for different sacrifices. But when people honored God that way, it also secured different types of blessing. Okay? So all of these altars, they bring blessing because when you seek him, you find him. How many would say amen to that? If you go after God, if you draw near to God, God draws near to you. Amen? That's what we just did here. Amen? So... The first altar that will bring a special kind of blessing, and we just, we just did it here, is this. It's the altar of worship. And here's the key to altars of worship. Altars of worship always draw him near. The secret to your peace and blessing will always be based on your ability to thank God and remember what he's done. That's the secret. The secret to peace is to remember what God has done. The secret to blessing is to celebrate and rejoice what God has done in your life. Remember who to give the credit to. If you learn how to give him credit, he will keep pouring it down. Hallelujah. Give him the credit for your blessing. Give him thanksgiving. Hallelujah. On your worst day, he's still worthy to be praised. He's still worthy to be magnified. Hallelujah. Thank God first, build altars of remembrance first. I believe, I believe that that's why David was separated. You see, I believe that David one day, how did, how did you, can dream with me a little bit of imagination? How was Psalm 23 born? I believe this is the way it was born. So David was the youngest, and that means he got the night shift of taking care of the sheep. Everybody's sleeping. He had to watch the sheep. And one day David was watching the sheep. And you know he fought lions and bears and wolves and all that. And he's looking around. And he's thinking to himself, oh, snap. 
I'm from Brooklyn, so we say that, right? So he's like, oh, snap. Um, I'm watching over this sheep. Who's watching over me? And by himself, I believe he got that revelation, and he said, the Lord is my shepherd. And I believe that David started singing, worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Imagine a little boy. Imagine a young man out there in the boondocks and him singing to God. And if you laugh the way I sing, my wife laughs the way I sing all the time. But I'm going to tell you right now, anybody can meet God in what just happened. Okay? But the key is can you make what just happened when you're alone with God? You know, when I first gave my heart to the Lord, Lord, help me to talk fast. When I first gave my heart to the Lord, I, I was discipled by a New York City cop, and I would love to just talk to you for 40 minutes about him. But here's one of the greatest lessons he taught me. So I grew up in Brooklyn. I grew up in the hood hood, okay? I've had so many fights, so many dead friends, so many friends in jail. I'm not proud of it, but that's where I come from. And I remember... He, he, I'm just learning how to seek God. I'm with this guy who's discipling me. And he said to me, hey, Al, you know, we wouldn't go to clubs at 1130. We weren't going to clubs. Everybody's going to clubs. We were like, we're not going into that. And so he would say, hey, let's go to Prospect Park. Prospect Park was right by my house. I never went into Prospect Park. As soon as the sun started to go down, never went in that park. But Jimmy was like, come on, let's go into the park. He was a cop. He was packing. I was like, it's all good, you know. <laughs> 11.30, we're in the park. Jimmy taught me this. Learn this. Learn this for yourself. Okay? Jimmy taught me this. We would start walking, and I would be like this. And Jimmy was like, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, I worship you. I worship you. That's how I started learning. I was like, hallelujah. <laughs> and then I learned. Because I remember the first time it happened, Jimmy was hallelujah. I started raising my hands, and then all of a sudden... We walked into a wall of the presence of God, just like we had here. So look, let me tell you something. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter where, who your dad was, who your dad wasn't. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. If you will worship the king of the universe, he will draw near and bless you. Hallelujah. He will find you. He will find a kid from Brooklyn. He will find a kid from the mountains. He will find a kid from a rich family. It doesn't matter where you come from. If you will build him an altar of worship, hallelujah, he will find you. And there will be favor and blessing and victory upon your life. Learn. Learn how to have what you have here all by yourself. Okay? And, like, and so don't worry about when your voice cracks. Because when you sing out with all of your heart, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit, eight, 7 billion, 8 billion people on the planet, wherever one heart goes up like that, the eyes and the heart, the, the, it's like the, the, the eyes, the heart, the nose, the heart, everything reaches. Oh, the incense of worship and praise. So that's the first type of altar. And I want to encourage you, 
When your heart is broken, worship him. You will be healed. You'll get over trauma. Yes, there will be support and help, but nothing heals and transforms like the presence of God. That's the first thing. Real quickly, the second thing is altars of repentance. you got to learn how to build altars of repentance. Altars of repentance make us free. Learning how to repent is so crucial to your future well-being. God's will for your life and ministry is that you would build a life that is privately healthy. Everybody say privately healthy. And then publicly fruitful. Say publicly fruitful. You can be publicly successful, but you cannot be publicly fruitful if you're not privately healthy. The only way to be privately healthy is to be clean and right with God. What does repentance mean? Real quickly, it means you own it before God and you turn in God's direction. If you don't own it before God, he won't take it away from you. Okay? If you don't own it, he won't wash it away. You have to own it. Okay? You don't want to be weak. You don't want to point the finger. You don't want to live blaming people. Stop blaming people and get in the presence of God. Let the blood of Jesus wash your heart. Bitterness, anger, all of those things. Let the blood of Jesus wash your heart. Stop blaming the world. You don't need the world. You need Jesus. And when you get under the blood, Jesus will give you everything that you need. You know, my, my dad was like, don't be a follower, man. Okay, followers are weak. Stand on your own. How do you stand on your own? You need the blood of Jesus. Somebody say amen to that. Look, I have been in ministry now for at least 30 years. I've never seen more people running than I do now. Okay? People are running. Most of the time is because they're not at peace with themselves. I was reading an article on the plane coming here. And uh, the, the article is pushing back at the religion of self-care. Self-care is the new religion. But if you are always self-care, but you're not honest when you look in the mirror, and you're not saying, Jesus, you're my king and my master, your way, not my ways, I'm telling you right now, it's a bad track. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. So there's something about just repenting. And saying, God, I want to be clean. Everybody say, I want to be clean. You got to want to be clean. You got to want to be right. And here's what's happened. When you get right, then you get free. It's not God's will for anybody here to walk in shame. It's not God's will for you to walk in guilt and shame. It doesn't matter what you have in your past. It doesn't matter what you're struggling with. The blood of Jesus is more powerful than our sin. Anybody happy about that in this place? Let's take advantage of the blood of Jesus. We rebuke the lie of shame in the name of Jesus. Shame is not of God. Guilt and shame is not of God. Conviction is of God. But the Holy Spirit is not a critic. He's a helper. He's a helper, but he's not going to help you if you hide. Look, real quickly, real quickly, I want to tell you a story. If they could send me uh, a keyboard player, I got to end in fast. So look, there's a man in our church. There's a man in our church, and he 
gets the, he gets the award every year. He is the number one top candidate for many years, not now, of absolutely destroying your life award. He's burned more bridges than anybody I know. Okay, he's, he's wrecked two marriages. He's hurt several children. He's stolen, you know, he's stolen from people, borrowed money, never paid back in the church. Okay, you want to talk about the captain. He's lived homeless. He li he's lived in his car. I mean, you want to talk about the guy who has absolutely jacked up his life as much as anybody I know. He's in my church. And now, now, on any given Sunday, you will find him at the front row. But listen, he's at the front row. He's with his two daughters. He's with one of his sons-in-law. Son -in -law. He's with his grandkids. And it's unbelievable. Scott, it's unbelievable. They, the girls of this guy are on their faces during worship. They're down. They're worshiping. Why aren't those girls full of bitterness? Why don't they want to be in another state, on, a, on another planet, wherever he is? They should not want to be where he is. And you know what? They're right with him. You know why? Because he one day really repented. And by the power of God, he began to rebuild his life. And you know what? All the time, I'll call him up. I hand him the mic. He prays. He's so full of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Jake, who's with me, he just got married uh, maybe a month, two months ago. And one of his best, biggest gifts was from this guy. And in his mind, when this guy gave him his wedding gift, he was like, no way. You can't give me this one. He says, no, you don't even understand, bro, what God has done for me. He said, you don't even get it. You see, look, look, shame is not of God. Get right with God. Every campus has a few people who are uh, irreverent. If you're here and you're one of those irreverent students because you're hiding, stop being irreverent. Be godly. Live for God. The dirty jokes, the fun, they're not funny. Just stop being irreverent. Get right with God because he wants to bless and use your life. Hallelujah. Last altar, and you know what? Because of time, I want you to stand to your feet, but just listen to a couple sentences. Listen. The last altar is the altar of faith. Altars of faith release our breakthrough. Everyone say, I have a breakthrough coming. And look, God is a God of the miraculous. He's the God of breakthrough. When you're really in faith, you ask God. The Bible says we have not because we we have not because we ask not. Learn how to ask God and ask God boldly. The more you need, the more you get from God, okay, the more you get from God what you need, the less you need of men. Just makes your heart good. Let God solve your problems. I'm telling you, you sleep really good. 
What do you need from God? There's so many, there's so many stories, so many miracles. My, my wife was away from God when she was young. We called upon the Lord. I was in the balcony. I didn't even know I was praying for her. And she had been running from God for years. And you know what? God brought her home just like that. We've got story after story after story. When we first started our church, we, we needed money. In one week off of a little prayer meeting, we got a mortgage. We got a, a, a miraculous offering. All of these things. Why? It's because it doesn't matter where you come from. What matters is your heart goes up to God in faith and God's power comes down to you. Hallelujah. He's not a respecter of persons. He doesn't play favorites. He doesn't play favorites. I'm telling you right now. He's the God of Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob, then President Hagen, and then you. Come on, put your hands together. Hands up. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Work. Come on, lift your hands like a little child. Worthy is your name. Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. The praise. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy. One more time. We're going to pray. Worthy is your name. Hallelujah. 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 Worthy is your name. Jesus. You deserve the praise. One more time before we close. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Hallelujah. 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 Take the hand of someone next to you. And then keep your eyes closed. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for breakthrough right now. We're going to pray that there would be a whole new kind of release in our walk with God. I want you to pray. I want you to pray for a new release. Hallelujah. Release of faith. A release 
of worship, a release to seek God. Come on, open your mouth. This is, my house shall be called a house of prayer. My school will be called a school of prayer for all nations. Come on, come on, make this God's school. Pray to your left. Pray to your right. Father, bring the breakthrough. God, if someone is battling with shame or guilt, bring the breakthrough right now, oh God. Lord, if someone needs a financial miracle, an emotional miracle, a touch of healing, bring the breakthrough. Look down by from your mighty throne, oh God. Do what only you can do, oh God. Send the supernatural to this place. Send it by your mighty power. Send your glory. Send your power. Send your provision. Send your love. Send your healing, oh God. Hallelujah. Send it, Lord Jesus. Grace, power, glory, love. Healing, freedom, cleansing, transformation. Now listen. The purpose of our collective gatherings is to build your faith for your solo appearance before the love of your soul, the King of glory. Carry this back to your room. Carry this back with you. Build him a house of devotion and he will build you a house of ministry. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Yes, put your hands together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Bless, strengthen every student, every staff member. Bless this school by your mighty power. Send your presence. Send the rain of heaven. Send the supernatural. Let's send revival, we pray, oh God. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Amen.